you are listening to Fan Art. <laughs> um, um, you are listening to Fan <laughs> God, what are you doing? I, I, I'm here to do the Fan Holes intro, Kirk. But you already had an intro. Oh, all right. It was in the second episode. Oh, of, of course, of course. Uh, so, um, I, I guess you'll be doing the intro. Um, make it so, Mr. Kirk. You are listening to Fan, a pop culture podcast made for the fans, by the fans. All right, folks, welcome back to Fan Holes. Uh, I am back. I was stuck in the negative zone for a little bit, then I went to the neutral zone. They are kind of similar, and unfortunately, you don't get really good internet access there. It kind of sucks. But I have returned to the Fan Holes Continuum. We have a really good show this week. I'm excited as all get out. We're going to be talking about Star Trek. If you haven't heard of Star Trek, dear Lord, man, where the hell have you been? Captain, if these sensors are working, we're over 70,000 light years from where we were. We're on the other side of the galaxy. It's probably one of the biggest cult slash mainstream by this point sci-fi properties out there. Over the years, it's gotten a little bit of negative negativity associated with it. Trackers are seen as being nerds or basement dwelling, you know, subhumans. But honestly, it's a really good show, and there's a lot of good things about it. It's usually a very positive look at the future of the human race instead of just being post-apocalyptic, everyone is dead. So if you hate Star Trek, come on and watch some of it. You might be impressed. Let's make sure history never forgets the name Enterprise. Some of the things we're going to talk about this week, unfortunately, even though there are some good things about Star Trek, there is one thing that we all agree is not so good. Somewhere cold. We're going to go a little someplace cold with Star Trek Voyager. We're also going to talk about our favorite Trek film. There's a gaggle of them out there. Some are great, some not so great, but we're going to talk about the ones we actually really dug a whole lot. We will go into the often debated Trek line of fire, the the probably the most classic topic that you'll hear the nerds talk about, Kirk versus Picard. And finally, we're going to talk about the Star Trek reboot, the newest film that just came out by uh, Abrams. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people didn't. Honestly, I thought it was pretty good, but we'll go more into that later on. Proceed. To get everything started, though, I guess we should really just make sure everybody's here, because I had a tendency of not being here in the last couple of weeks. I am Tony Chainclaw, and I have been and always will be your friend. Identification confirmed. Hey, guys, this is Brian, also known as Super Thunderwing. Beam me up, Steve. Negative. <laughs> hey, what's up? This is Derek, Derek WC. Kabla! <laughs> Authorization denied. Hi, it's Mike. Um, I guess I'm regular Thunderwing, and um, I'm ashamed to admit I do not know where the line must be drawn. Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. <laughs> I am Kirok. <laughs> and sometimes I'm Grimlock. That is correct. If it helps, Michael, the line should be drawn. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was there, but here makes a lot more sense. Okay. You, you got you. Sometimes you just got to check. Thank you, thank you, Tony. Uh, I'm always glad to help. I, I, my hailing frequency's open. This is going to be so nerdy so quick. Okay, let's go ahead and start off. Someplace cold is someplace where we go, where we talk about things we're not big fans of. Like I said, like 
like like Naomi Wildman. <laughs> Even a two-year-old could tell you that no one likes Naomi Wildman. And the Adventures of Flutter. <laughs> Flutter and Trevis. You know what, Derek? I, you, you seem like you're really ready to just let loose on young uh, Miss Wildman. So why don't you go ahead and start us off with your little someplace cold Voyager hatred? No, no, I, 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 I just figured we were going to talk about you know stuff we didn't like. I, I don't, I don't need to go into any detail. It's just kind of you know. She's she's the kind of the typical wheelie young child archetype. But I mean, of, of all of them, you know, if you if you put me in a room with, you know, Wesley and, and Brian Bonsall and, you know, all the little Trek archetype kids, Jake and Nog and all those guys, it's like I'd rather hang out with all those guys. But Naomi Wildman kind of is just kind of like, you know, the only reason why I kept watching is because seven of nine. You know, that's about it. So you're basically saying you don't condone child abuse, but you really wanted to smack her one, huh? No, no, I didn't want to smack her. I just, you know, I, I could have done without the adventures of, of, you know, Flutter on the holodeck. You know, like we could have, you know, I don't know, fought the Herogian or done something. You know, Species A four two seven could have come in and been like blah 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 blah, <laughs> and then that could have been the end of you know the adventures of Flutter or whatever. You know, something. But, but yeah. she was the captain's assistant. Derek, wasn't that an interesting enough angle for you? <laughs> well, you know, when 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 you're you know dodging Species A four two seven to make coffee and avoiding Borg implants to give Captain Wrongway her uh, her uh, you know. Daily caffeine fix. I guess. I guess that is pretty exciting. So I take it all back. Naomi Wildman is probably the greatest <laughs> Star Trek character who's ever been created. I, I was about to say, Derek, how could you be against her if it were not for her? Your favorite character, Seven and Nine, would not have had anyone to play Cottiscott with. Jeez, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Seven, let's go play Cottiscott. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, what, what about you guys? What, what, just. Let it lose. Whatever you want to say about Voyager. Oh man, not, oh, my, not to uh, sound like like a sexist pig. But every time like I saw Voyagers on TV, like I always turned and I almost think if like the captain had been seven of nine instead of like Janeway, I might have like stuck around longer. But sadly, <laughs> the, the captain did not hold my interest, so I, I often turned. Well, that's the thing though. Like seven of nine, like regardless of her attractiveness, she was always bringing a counterpoint, at least to, to Janeway. You know, it's not like she just shut up and said yes, ma'am, like everybody else did. You know, she kind of went, "Hey, uh, this plan's kind of stupid. We should just like blow everybody up." And Janeway would be like, "Oh, we have to listen to the prime directive." You know, and you're just kind of like, you know, like you're in the middle of fucking space. You're lost. Like, let's get the fuck home, please. You know, like, Janeway always struck me as almost like a school marm or something. I just found her like super, super boring. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. There, there was like even I remember reading this somewhere where Kate Mulgrew. The actress who played Janeway was even against, like, her character having any type of sexual relationship because she had her boyfriend back home. So she just was like, and, and like, come on, it's it's a Star Trek show. The captain has to get some nookie at some point. Like, the furthest she ever went is when she, like, almost banged the hologram guy from, like, Ireland. <laughs> That's, that's what I was going to say. Like, she goes without for so long, and then what she do? She creates the perfect holographic guy and then falls in love with him, and then she's, like, so upset that she created her own perfect man. Like, oh, I just hate that episode so much. It, it, well, I, I hate it because she feels guilty, and I'm like, dude, you're just more or less watching porn. You've had nothing years. Come on. <laughs> it worked for Tuvok for Pond Far, so come on. <laughs> Exactly. Oh man, should I even should I even mention 
probably the second most annoying character after Naomi Wildman, Harry Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of feel bad for Harry Kim because he seems to get a lot of flack. I know good buddies of mine can't stand Harry Kim, you know, because he's that kind of ensign-y Wesley Crusher type character, and he goes through the whole series and pretty much stays an ensign for like seven years and stuff. And uh, I remember on the boards, Airhammer was nice enough to post some interviews that uh, caught up with Garrett Wang, you know, like years later and stuff. And I thought it was an interesting read, you know, seeing, you know, kind of his take on things and the characters. And, you know, it seemed like a lot of the actors kind of had a lot of trouble dealing with the way things were written and, and maybe some of the creative issues, you know, because it seemed like it seemed like there were two camps to the. You know, it seemed like, you know, Rick Berman, when he was working on it, you know, there was one camp. And then what's the guy who did Battlestar Galactica? Ronald D. Moore. Yeah, it was, was Ronald Moore, right? And so, like, I, I remember they were really pushing the whole, you know, they're lost. They're in space. Like, they're trying to get home. And then, you know, they'd have these fights and arguments about, like, okay, you know, we just blew up two shuttles. Like, okay, there's no more shuttles. You know, like, they don't, they can't make them anymore. You know, they're not near a star base. You know, and people went, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool, there's another shuttle. <laughs> and they just went, well, you're taking away all the, you know, it's like it's like the difference between, you know, the way they kind of did things on Battlestar Galactica, where, you know, some people might go, oh, maybe it's too much for them or whatever. But, you know, it got to the point where it's like, oh, there's rations on food. You know, people can't take showers all the time. You know, everybody's kind of grungy looking, you know, like there's, there's fighting breaking out over the bread in the pantry or, you know, whatever it is. But it always seemed like on Voyager, it's like, you know, there wasn't too much of that stuff. You know, they didn't let it get too gritty or too, you know, you'd think like the whole time, you know, the whole premise of it would have been, you know, oh, you've got, you know, basically a terrorist cell group of people in the Maquis and then the Federation group of people, basically a military organization sharing the same ship. You'd think that would create lots of tension. And it's like basically that all kind of seemed to go away after the first season. And then there wasn't any tension until they brought a Borg on the ship, you know? Yeah, Dakota so. was all, you know, I'm a Maquis and we don't do things this way. After a while, it just got to the point where Janeway was just kind of going, Chakotay, and he's like, okay. I think they disposed of the the Maquis storyline like, you know, way too early. They could have dragged that out for, you know, you know, two seasons or something. I know there's one point in the series where they say something like, you know, but Captain, we've only got forty seven photon torpedoes left and then, you know, you know, even six or seven episodes later they've already used those up and you know, they find more from I was somewhere. Counting. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote in over that. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, Derek makes a good point, though, because I do remember episodes where they'd be saying, oh, we're having to do uh, replicator rations, and you can't even take a sonic shower today, and then Paris saunters up in one episode, hey, Captain, do you mind if I build a small scout command ship from scratch? Oh, sure, that's fine. Because, <laughs> yeah, you, totally you know, you know, Naomi Wildman probably helped them gather all the materials for that scout ship. <laughs> <laughs> were there a bunch of different riders, or what? Were, I mean, what? Why wasn't it? I, I think, yeah, I mean, I, they, they, you know, like all the Star Trek shows, I'm pretty sure they had a different cadre of writers, even though there was some direction going on. But it just seemed like they kind of got away from, you know, Moore's original concept, which it seemed like to me, like a lot of that got carried over into Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. You know, like that kind of, uh, you know, thing of, oh, we're, 
you know, basically we have no home base, we have no star bases to go to, you know, and that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, I guess it, it just seemed like there's, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it seemed like there was a lot of political correctness involved in it. And there was a lot of basically trying to make it friendly, you know, for everybody, you know, like whether it was in terms of, of you know, the storyline or casting or anything like that, you know, it's just like, it didn't seem like a show that was willing to rock the boat, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's like kind of like the whole thing of, oh, well, wouldn't it have been cool if Harry Kim actually got like, you know, sucked out the airlock, <laughs> you know, in that one episode, like, no, no, I'm just saying like, like, you know, it'd be like a Tasha Yar kind of thing where you'd be like, holy crap, he's dead, you know? But it's like, oh, wait, it's not the real Harry Kim. It's like, there's a mirror verse and blah, 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 blah. And by the end of it, everything's back to status quo. It's almost like the, the thing Grimlock's talking about with the, the 46 photon torpedoes. It's like, we used all our photon torpedoes. And it's like, oh, look, there's planet photon torpedo. Quick, pick up 46 more by the end of the episode. And you're just like, well, then, you know, what did they exactly sacrifice? Yeah. You know, like, it's almost like, you know, a lot of those, you know, episodes had big giant reset buttons where, like, you know, there, there were some episodes where you're like, this might be cool. Like that episode, you know, I was talking about with Harry Kim where it's like the year of hell. It's like, oh, Voyager goes through this terrible time. And, you know, by the end of it, the ship's going to be totally broken and destroyed. And Janeway's hair is actually mussed up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that that's kind of the key to, like. You know, shit was going down when Janeway's hair like fell out of the little bonnet. You know, it's like, oh, shit's serious now. Like, it just got real. Of, her hair came out of the bun. And, you know, and, like. and after all that, you hear someone yell in the background, "Hey, everyone, Duke's gonna be all right." <laughs> oh, no. Well, yeah, they did do a lot of stuff. There was that Equinox episode where shit goes crazy. They run into a Federation ship with a captain who's. Little nut bolly. He's he's actually more realistic and he's willing to do anything to what get to do whatever it takes to get back home. But the big thing is at the end they take on like ten or twelve people from that ship and they're just like, Okay, you guys, you just better, you know, mind your P's and Q's and then you never hear from them again. Yeah, I always hated that. Like that was a really good two parter. Like I really got into that because you know, even though I think his name was Captain Ransom. Even though he yeah. does some really bad things and he kills all those aliens to get home, you can kind of see his point of view because they had it all a lot rougher than Voyager did. So yeah. you kind of you kind of want to feel for him. But then it's <laughs> like you said. I'm sorry, I just I said everything to Captain He's like, how does your ship get fixed every week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. But I, it's like, wait, you got the big reset button and my <laughs> ship didn't. You know, rawr. It's like, well, well, you see, sir, we have gel packs and gel packs reset everything. Oh, they also have Naomi Waldman. Don't, don't forget that. Gel packs and Naomi Waldman. <laughs> and, and like hot, hot Borg ladies. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, sorry, we cut you off, Justin. What were you going to say about that? It's okay. But it's like you pointed out, you know, you think we're going to get some new characters and some, you know, tension and some drama from taking on the survivors from the Equinox. But no, you know, they get a stern lecture from Janeway and we never see them again. What do we get? In, what do we get instead of like some interesting, you know, people that you might not want to trust or even like because they kill aliens? Instead of somebody like that, we get the Borg children. <laughs> Which Naomi Wildman is, is a big headlining member of 
You know what's weird, though? It's kind of ironic that, like, of all the characters, like, and, you know, it's not like I have anything against the holodeck or anything, but I think it's kind of ironic that, like, the character, at least for me, I don't know, we could go around and see what everybody else thinks, but I always thought the Doctor was, like, one of the more interesting characters of the bunch. I mean, I always liked Robert Picardo, like, his acting even back as far as, like, China Beach and, yeah, Wonder Years and... and what's that, the sci-fi movie where the kids explorers or whatever, you know, it's like River Phoenix and all them, like, going to space and stuff. He was in that, too. He played, like, one of the aliens and stuff. Like, he's always been great and stuff like that, so... I would say who the character I liked most was, but it's the same one. I really liked the Doctor. He was cool. Yeah, I did, too. Like, I always look forward to a Doctor-centric episode. Like, one of my favorite ones is where he becomes the emergency command hologram, and he has to fake <laughs> out those aliens. That was a cool one. I like that. I also like the one, it was kind of cheesy, but the one where, I forgot what they're called. They look, I, I don't know, they look like giant gourds, aliens, and they kidnap the Doctor's program, quote-unquote, and they fill them with all this, like, Neo-Matrix-y super spy stuff, and he's supposed to, like, infiltrate the uh, the Enterprise, the uh, Voyager, and help them steal it and stuff, and he's doing all kinds of wacky stuff and jumping around and doing backflips and stuff. It was pretty cool. Wasn't that scene Justin was talking about from First Contact? Which one? The where he's, like, the emergency backup doctor and, like, the Borg are no, coming through. No, that's, no, that's, more like a, that's more like a cameo. He, he's talking about, like... It, the same thing happened in the show? Well, Justin was talking about, like, an episode where he actually takes command of the ship. Oh, okay. Like, he's an emergency command hologram, so his his outfit turns into, like, the red captain <laughs> outfit and everything, and he, like, basically takes over the ship. Okay. So it's a very, like, doctor-centric, like, ooh, doctor gets roundo two, power, <laughs> you know? It's, like, super awesome and everything. So if you're, like, a fan of the Doctor, you're like, oh, cool, the Doctor's in the command chair. Whereas that, the, the first contact thing was kind of like a nod to, I, I think it's almost like how many people appreciated that character. Because it's like, that was another EMH. It's like, Robert Picardo ended up showing up on Deep Space Nine as the actual, you know, Dr. Zimmerman, who the template was based on. And you could see, like, the EMHs, you know, like, you know, not as advanced as the one on Voyager. Yeah. So it's almost like the one on Voyager sort of, you know, took his own life, you know, and became, you know, his life of his own, you know, and, and became a new character, you know, that had emotions, you know, kind of kind of like the Data-ish character of the series in a way. You know, he's trying to strive to be, you know, not that he didn't have any emotions, but, you know, he kind of started out as like a stiff kind of stern, you know, sticking the the b-hole, you know, kind of guy where, you know, he was kind of like a rule book type guy. But then, you know, as the show progressed, you know, they had things where he had romances and, you know, tried to learn how to be more, you know, social. And then and then he was the one who ended up teaching Seven of Nine some things about how to be social. So it's like, you know, almost like, you know, he obviously learned a bunch if he's the one giving out the instructions, yeah. you know. Doesn't anyone know how to turn off the program when they leave? And, you know, Janeway should be really happy because, as shown in the episode Prometheus, if they had left Space Dock, like, two years later, they would have been stuck with Andy Dick for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes. It was pretty good. Andy Dick was actually tolerable on that because he was supposed to be an asshole and kind of a <laughs> annoyance. But, yeah, yeah. I, what about you, Mike? Did you have a lot of character you actually did not cringe when he was around? Or she? Well, yeah, my, my whole deal with Voyager is, like, both Voyager and Deep Space Nine I didn't see a whole lot of. But the impression I always got 
Like, whenever I'd watch an, an episode of, like, Deep Space Nine is, like, oh, they never go anywhere. They're on a space station. This is kind of boring. And then the impression I always got when I watched Voyager was, oh, they're, like, out on the frontier. This is exciting and stuff. So I can't really, like, recall any specific, like, episodes or even, like, moments. But I just remember liking Voyager just because it's it, – I guess to me it seemed like the more exciting one. So – yeah, I, I can't. I guess I can't really hate on it too much, but I get, you know, it's more of a a circumstantial thing, I guess. You, you just tend to have more fond memories of it than not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't even recall anything specific from it, really. I don't think I was even watching it when like Jerry Ryan came on or whatever. I mean, I just think you I missed out, buddy. I know, I know, <laughs> I did. But yeah, got the show got really. I always used to explain to my friend who was really into comics with me and yes this is the same friend that watched dbz with me and all that other stuff but he was never really that into star trek and then eventually like he he actually got me a, a job where i was like writing trivia questions for star trek for a little while so we were like watching a bunch of the shows and just you know to catch up on things and help me write questions and stuff like that but there was a, you know, to explain to him, like for Voyager, I'm all, well, Voyager's like all 90s. And, I, and he's like, well, what do you, he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you know, it's like, basically, it's like, you know, the Borg, right? And he's like, yeah, everybody, you know, I've seen First Contact. He might not have been a Star Trek fan, but he knew, he knew who the Borg were, you know? So he's like, oh, the Borg, yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, it's like, they, it's like Dark Side and Doomsday. It's like Species 8427 shows up, and then it's like, what? The Borg's Omega Beams do not work, you know, Carnage shows up and then all of a sudden you know venom's like oh you know and that kind of thing so it was always like i was like oh the borg are the baddest baddest ever and then all of a sudden it's like but species 8427 comes along and it's like oh no they're like they're like the carnage of the delta quadrant you know so like that's how i always like explain them to my friend and he's like oh okay that that episode always bugged me though after they showed the species 8429 uh, or they call them scorpion aliens too it's like after they do the eight four eight four seven two, excuse me. After they do that, they have this one episode where they infiltrate our space, like our realm, because they're from a different dimension, and they take human form, and it just kind of shit and, all over the concept. And Chicotay kind of gets with one of them. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not going to turn to a scorpion in the middle of it, are you? <laughs> I always thought that was a wasted, you know, kind of point because they they built up 8472 as being such a huge threat and what do they do they make peace with them i was like oh yeah that was it seemed to be the whole thing with janeway she would always try to make peace and it was always under the stupidest circumstances it wasn't like the klingons where this went on for years and years and years and it was finally oh this horrible thing happened now we should be friends it was like the hero did hate you you must not like give up your Starfleet principles. The Herogen hate you. You must not give up your Starfleet principles. Oh, hey, you want to kill some holograms, and that will never come back to bite us in the ass? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I like the Herogen. Like, I thought they were kind of like little like Star Trek bumpy head predator guys, <laughs> you know, like like cheap cheap predators for the Voyager crew to fight or something. Yeah. Well, that I, one of the outlines for the series that they actually did kind of deliver on is that they wanted to really introduce brand new aliens. They wanted to get away from Klingons and Romulans and stuff like that. Well, actually, like it's interesting that you bring that up because because I guess another reason for me to to hate on Voyager was this was right around the time when when or at least for me, like I kind of started getting sick of Star Trek. I mean, 
having so many bipedal aliens. <laughs> like when it, when I saw Farscape, it blew me away, and it was because I was like, wait, it's not just an asshole with a you know a couple lumps on his head, you know? Like hey, I was like, whoa, are like hot, man. It's not easy. No, but I'm, I'm just saying, it's like, what, what's the difference between the Kazon and a Klingon, really? I mean, in terms of they're both bipedal, they're both mad, and they both have weird shit on their fucking head. Yeah, that's like, you know, like, status, I mean, it's like... Status report, Captain Vagina Face, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just kind of like, what... You know, th- that kind of thing where I'm like, how inventive is that? You know, like, and and to me, I was like, whenever I saw stuff like Farscape, I just, uh, you know, I went, holy crap, like, this is awesome. Like, these guys are like insectoid looking or these guys are, you know, the, the guy's got a weird, you know, like you look at it and you go, ew, like you looked at Dargo's like chin and kind of went, how does it do that? Like, you know, you were like actually kind of like, that's weird. Does it hurt when you pull on it? Like, I don't know. You just wondered all kinds of stuff. But when I looked at a a Voyager alien, it was always just kind of like, oh, yeah, there's a scaly faced, bumpy headed guy again. Like, and I'm like, how far away are they? They're in the, the Delta Quadrant. I'm like, you're telling me you went from Alpha to Beta to Gamma to fucking Delta and it's still a bunch of bipedal idiots that are running around like you know and they they all you know use the same technology basically they all got starships and use dilithium crystals and you know eat you know i don't know you know a campbell soup or whatever (laughs) neelix ends up making them you know like i don't know you just think you'd run into like you know, crazy but, stuff more But Derek, often. they ran to the dinosaurs, <laughs> who were bipedal, apparently. Mesogog has returned. The, 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 yes, Mesogog <laughs> is back, and he's racist. <laughs> uh, um, against human beings, who are a whole separate species. But, no, but, like, I or, you know, like, even, like, the Amelia Earhart stuff. It's like, how how much can you, like, suspend your disbelief you know to go oh yeah the bermuda triangle zap people to the delta <laughs> quadrant you know and then froze them no i understand what you're, like, what you're saying there because than... 8472 i see why they like them because when they introduced them they did look really weird they were like a new thing in star trek and i think that's why i hated that episode later on because it was like remember how cool 8472 look yeah now they're humans yeah and i always wanted them to to finally kill off harry kim but sadly, the eight four seven two virus didn't do that because he was in People <laughs> magazine. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I, I personally, I guess my complete and total summary of Voyager for me, and you guys can feel free to give yours too if you like. I, I think it was just a missed opportunity. There's a lot of good ideas. There really was. I mean, and the show looked really pretty. It was a later generation show, so the special effects were really kind of cool and stuff. But I guess in the end, I just think they kind of missed a boat on a lot of things. And I will go back to what Derek or I think Mike, one of you guys, was talking about earlier with the the year of hell. That is, like, totally what the show should have been. It should have been very gritty, very shit. Are we going to die this week? Instead of just, you know, oh, man, we're running out of food. Naomi, go get us a Twinkie. You know. (laughs) So just, yeah, missed opportunity. That's all all I, I can say when I think of it. I think for me, like, on top of, like, all the missed opportunities and things, it was just so different from Deep Space Nine. Like, I love Deep Space Nine, you know. It had all these, you know, rich, complex characters, and, you know, there was a war going on, and, you know, unexpected stuff would happen, you know, like, Nog lost his leg, and he had to deal with that. Like, who who would ever expect, like, that would happen? And not only would it happen, but it would be a really good episode. And in contrast, Voyager was just the opposite. 
everything was reset and it was just so you know standard operating procedure you know boring yeah i i i concur with that i mean i'll speak up in deep space nine's defense because you know for me it's like i always loved what what i call the magneto character but like gold ducat was was definitely that character you know he was a great you know villain and you know he started out as evil and then at some point you know it was kind of like hey i'm like magneto i'm gonna be on your guys' side like <laughs> i'm not so bad even though i had death camps <laughs> and shit you know and it's like you know and then eventually like by the end of it you know you you see how like you know and they, they play with ideas where you can you can do things with the you know bejor's religion and stuff like that and kai win evil evil fucking bitch <laughs> You know, like she's a great, she's a great actress because like you just fucking hate her yeah. guts, like so. Much, you know, like she's she's great, and him and her teamed up at the end there, like all that stuff. Like I always thought that was like good, good drama, you know. And and they always made an effort to like include lots of little references back to the old series, whether it was like, oh hey, remember when we were on Cestus Three, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So you're like, hey, that's cool. What about you, Mike? Well, you said you don't really see a lot of it, so I guess. Pretty much what you were saying earlier, you don't really have bad memories of it, kind of. No, I, I guess I can't really say anything bad about it. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> There's nothing to be sorry about. Like it's. I just wanted to be one of the group. <laughs> <laughs> He's like going to be in a self-help group in ten years. I like Voyager. <laughs> well, it. Well, I know, I know. There's a lot of people that are fans of Voyager that enjoyed it. So I mean, it's like, yeah, we're having haters segment on something you know and we're just kind of saying what you know some of the things we disliked about it but i mean a lot of it is sort of relative to what you know people's experiences you know like because it's like with mike you know he's kind of like oh it's on a space station so he kind of just thought it was boring i mean maybe it'd be the same thing if i said you know to people i'd go oh babylon 5's on a space station yeah i guess that's kind of boring <laughs> you know and some people might go oh, oh my god what are you mad you know so it's like you'd have different takes on on different things, you know. Voyager is a series that, like, when I sit down and rewatch all of Star Trek, like, I always kind of cringe and don't really want to rewatch it. But despite all that, there are a lot of good episodes, like Scorpion, they introduced them Species 8472, and Equinox, Timeless, where Voyager crashes into the ice planet and Geordi shows up at the end. Like, I always thought that was a really good episode. Yeah, that's, but, all, I was, that's all I was going to say, even though we've been hating on it and, you know, picking on Naomi Wildman or Janeway. There, I mean, I'm not going to lie and say I hate every single episode. There's quite a few that I was, hey, that's that's not bad Trek. That's pretty good, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm down with it. Hey, hey, you know what? It's a pretty Takei episode. <laughs> flashback. <laughs> yeah. That was a pretty good episode. <laughs> this flashback. I like yeah. flashbacks. So. What about you, Brian? Do, do you have anything that you kind of feel sums up your feelings on Voyager? I barely watched it enough to feel like I have the right to pee all over it. But I will <laughs> say that, you know, you guys mentioning – some of the like survivalist themes and minimalist themes that it should have like kept on going. Like that makes it sound like a lot cooler show than what actually aired. So I'd almost wish it had been more hardcore where, you know, shuttles didn't just magically reappear or missiles or torpedoes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess basically in the end, all the fan holes, we don't hate Voyager. We're not going to sit here and totally say it was the worst thing ever shown. Just, I think, I think, I think the general summation is, it's very much, uh, like Derek said, it's very objective. If you like it, there's nothing wrong with it. If you don't like it, hey, you know, there's a lot more stuff out there people don't like, so nobody's ever going to feel the same way about something. If I were human, I believe my response would be, go to hell. However, to move on to a more greener pastures, a little bit more brighter topic, 
everybody on this podcast has a favorite Trek film. There's got to be that one movie you saw that was just badass or super amazing. I really hope this week that Justin is not going to say Star Trek The Motion Picture, but hopefully <laughs> we will be able to, like... Come on, man. Those uh, those great pajamas are tops. <laughs> Torpedos <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Check off. Check off. Check off. I don't... I mean... That's that's all I that's all I remember about. <laughs> that's all he saw. <laughs> he saw that as cut, cut yeah. it off. But I mean, let's let's go ahead and start off. Since you didn't see a lot of Voyager, Mike, I know you've seen a Star Trek film at least one. So what, what's your favorite? I'm gonna have to be really cliched and just say that Wrath of Khan is my favorite because I uh, I actually I haven't seen all the original ones. I think I've only seen Wrath of Khan number three, the Genesis planet and Spock coming back and what whatnot, and and the whales one. Those are, I think those are the only one the original ones I've seen. And I've seen all the next generation one. Oh no, wait, I've I've seen three out of the four next generation ones. I have I've never seen Insurrection actually. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> yeah, think so. Okay. No, no big okay. deal. And you know, obviously, I saw like the recent like reboot movie, but yeah, I'd have to say like Wrath of Khan is my favorite. And you know, that's I guess that's kind of a cliche and like an obvious answer. But you know, I I I, I liked First Contact too. I I actually have some fondness for Generations because like at that point, like I didn't know much about Star Trek, so when that came out, I was like, a Star Trek movie? No way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can make fun of me for that, but like it, at that point, I was like, you know, Next Generation was my Star Trek pretty much. So, you know, I didn't even know. Like, my dad might have said to me once or twice, you know, oh, son, there was a show like in the '60s, you know, for Star <laughs> Trek, and I'd be like, you know, yeah, whatever, Dad. Yeah, that 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 was like the '60s. Yeah, but you know, uh, so you know. I, the next generation ones I have a little bit of fondness for, but you know, with the with the fullness of time, I can look back at like Nemesis and say, yeah, that really sucked, and and <laughs> you know, even even generations, I can say, you know what, this isn't that good, but with yeah, yeah, but, yeah. So I guess I'll have to go with the Wrath of Khan. Well, man, I mean, Wrath of Khan is a great film, and speaking of cliches. I think the reason why it's a great film is it's not just a good Star Trek film. It's just a good movie. I mean, you can know nothing about Star Trek, and if you watch it, you're like, hey, that was a good good damn flick. I mean, no no reason to even give you any hate on the cliche thing. I'm actually going to go ahead and go into mine because you're talking about Next Generation and stuff. Because, honestly, I was kind of a late bloomer into appreciating Star Trek, and The Next Generation was my deal, too. I was like... I really like this. This is not the old 60s show, which I had seen. I just never got into it. I was like, eh, bad special effects. I was I was a kid. You know, I didn't really have that filter where I was like, it's 30 years old. I was just, oh, bad special effects. I hate it. It's so cheesy. But I started watching Next Generation and really got into it. Unfortunately, I'm unlike you, I'm not a huge fan of Generations. It was okay, but it nothing happened. It, was, it just seemed like a two-parter to me from, like, the original run of the show. Eh, I don't know. I, it's just kind of boring to me. However, I will probably say First Contact is my favorite film because, again, as being a fan of Picard and Riker and the crew, it paid a lot of homages to the original show. You had, like, a lot of good dynamics with all the characters, and it was a badass Borg story. You didn't really get a lot of those in The uh, Next Generation. They became more prevalent villains in uh, Voyager. 
Whereas the next generation, they showed up once or twice, three times, and they were badasses, but you didn't see a whole lot of them. And First Contact was the one where they just stormed in and they were like, we're the Borg and we're going to fuck your shit up. And it was like, oh, damn. So. If you were any other man, I would kill you where you stand. I, I would have to say First Contact is my favorite one, except for the one line that I always make fun of, and you guys have heard it a hundred times. <laughs> Assimilate this. I, I don't know. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> Can't justify it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, when you're talking about Next Generation, I just had to go into that. Uh, what about you, Brian? What, what's your favorite Trek film? First Contact as well, actually. The only Star Trek I really got into was Next Generation. I got into that in middle school. I remember it was always on like super late at night. I could start at midnight or something. And it was over the summer, and I'd always watch it. And then the next day, I had like an impossible time waking up for a driver's education. When Next Generation started getting released on DVD, I started buying the sets. And so I was like, oh, I should go through all the movies and see what all the movies are about. So I watched, like, the first movie, which was horrible. I saw the whale movie, <laughs> which was also horrible. And at, at, at that point, I was like, ah, oh, forget this. I'm skipping the Next Generation films. Oh, yes. I hate this. It is revolting. So I skipped over everything. And then out of the Next Generation films, I don't know, First Contacts is, is the best. Cool, cool. Secret Brothers. <laughs> Something yeah. that starts that many, like, internet memes, you know, has to be quality. I mean, oh, yeah. that, that's why Never Gonna Give You Up is the greatest song in the world, you know? <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what about you, Justin? And, and uh, man, I'm still hoping you're not going to say the motion picture. Come on, man. Pull through for me. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> what? You, you, uh, you have something against ball chicks and, you know... <laughs> You have like shiny little rhinestones on their necks or something. <laughs> I, I, I'm just hoping you you see past like the. You even said it earlier this week when me and you were talking on Skype. The friggin' you fell asleep during the like 40 minute fly through of like Beecher. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing but like 15 or 20 minutes of just like special effect shots and then reaction shots from the crew. So you know, even as <laughs> even as a little kid, I was just like, oh, something happened. Oh, the blind or the Bald girl's dead. Oh yay! It's hard to get through. Yeah, it's a uh, chore. It's a chore. Actually, like I don't hate the motion picture, but for my favorite one, I went with Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. Oh, now be honest, Captain. Warrior to warrior, you do prefer it this way, don't you? As it was meant to be. No peace in our time. Once more unto the breach, dear friend. It's, it was also directed by the uh, director of Wrath of Khan, Nicholas Meyer, and there's a lot of like, you know, at that time current like political analogies going on, you know, like trying to make a some kind of peace with the Russians, like that kind of changed over to the Klingons, and you know, you had Chancellor Gorgon, he was pretty much like Klingon to Abraham Lincoln, I guess, like where he was trying, you know, make some peace or something, but I always liked it, you know, it's a, you've got uh, Kirk and uh, Kirk and Doctor McCoy put on trial by the Klingons and they get sent to the ice planet and there's a funky, you know, shape shifting girl there that Kirk has to, you know, smooch on so they can escape and and then you have a final space battle with the Klingons at the end. Which generations shamelessly Stole. took a clip shot <laughs> from which is why generations is part of them. And and also you got some uh, extra Sulu for your time in Star Trek Six. <laughs> Liar upon <laughs> damn it. Yeah, I always like that line. <laughs> 
Actually, yeah, that's a great flick too. So, so you've redeemed yourself, sir. Way, way to go. Yeah, Star Trek Six: Undiscovered Country was good. I thought it was a great ending too. It was a good way to end like the original crew's, you know, mission and stuff. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And like, also, they... it it was nice to see that Kirk was a racist too. I hate Klingons. <laughs> oh, species, species. He's not. Yeah, he's Pentagon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that. That was always a good exchange. Like Spock's like they're dying. He's like let them die. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good it was a good flick though. I thoroughly enjoyed that one too. All good choices so far. Derek, what's, what, bring us home, man. What's your favorite Trek flick? Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? Well, I'm I'm secret brothers with Michael today. I like I like Rathacon the best. I mean, it was kind of an easy pick for me. I mean, I I, I think that was probably one of the earliest Trek movies I got to see in the theater. And, you know, it just has a lot of memories for me. I mean, I remember coming out of the theater and I was all upset that Spock died and I was crying <laughs> and stuff. And my parents were like, they'll bring him back in the next movie. It's OK. It's OK. You know, and stuff like that. I was like, Thank you, <laughs> you know, and shit like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always I mean, I was. I was pretty heavy into that. Like I had, I had seen like episodes of the TV show. Like so, like in my mind, like maybe this is why I don't have as much fondness for the motion picture either. Is I didn't really know about the motion picture. Like in my kid brain, like I always thought like, oh, there was a TV show, and then that's why they called it Star Trek Two because it's like a <laughs> sequel of the TV show. Like I didn't, I didn't realize like until you know, like I saw like I think I saw it later on like home video or something. I went, oh, there's actually like a first Star Trek movie, <laughs> kind of like how Mike's like, hey, Generations, a movie about Star Trek. <laughs> you know, I was always like kind of shocked in that same kind of young kid way about that, where I was like, oh, there's there was a first Star Trek movie. You know, like I, I just thought it started with number two. You know, like. So, uh, but yeah, and I love, I love Ricardo Montalban, you know, I love Khan, I love all that, you know, you know, the kind of between him and Kirk, like great villain, great, you know, uh, sort of rivalry going on and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I think that for me, like the Wrath of Khan is like, I, I know for a lot of us, you know, we come from a Transformers message board or whatever. And, uh, you know, Transformers, the movie is something we could quote verbatim. But I always remember with my, in my, you know, whatever you want to call it, my Trekkie, Trek or whatever friends, you know, people that love Star Trek. It's like the movie we would quote the most is always you know, always been Star Trek too. So that's that's why I'd had to go with. Go Did with that I do pick. myself like a great disservice by giving up on you know the original series movies with only seeing one and four? I, uh, it's weird. There, there's a weird to me. I always thought it was weird, but the, the, Siskel and Ebert have always said the even movies are good and the odd movies are shit. And I don't I don't know that I totally agree with that, but but there's some truism to it. But I, I would say for me, just and maybe it's a nostalgic thing too. But for me, I, I've always dug two and three, you know. But so so I mean maybe that's possible. But it's also interesting hearing you say like you don't really dig four because I remember at the time like I don't know, save the whales must have been big or whatever the deal was. The fact that they had all the humor and normally Star Trek was kind of humorless in yeah. a way, you know, not not as blatant as that was. And so for some reason, I just remember being, you know, like that was something where and, and I know I maybe I think I laughed with you about that. I'm not sure. But I remember we had this joke about, you know, didn't you say like your one of your relatives, like female relatives watched it more than once or something? I, I thought I was talking to somebody. Maybe it was on Bot Talk where they said, oh, you know, my grandma watched it. And I'm like, well, I remember this girl I had a crush on watched it <laughs> twice. 
you know? So it was like, for some reason, Star Trek four was like the cool, you know, the cool movie for like everybody to watch. Not, not just like, you know, right. Trek nerds or something, you know? Cause like, I'm like, what girls watching Star Trek, you know, like it was a big deal, but I can see, you know, what you're saying, like how it doesn't exactly hold up over time. It's like, Hey, the shit log came <laughs> to like talk to the whales and nothing's, you know, nothing's going on, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. It's like, it's kind of like, you know what it reminds me of? It's like the line in X-Men about the yellow tights, you know, where it's like, uh, you're a dick or like what it's like. Once you see that joke, though, the one time it's like you laugh at it maybe once in the theater. And then after that, you never <laughs> laugh at it again. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Star Trek has a bunch of jokes like that. You know, Star Trek four, where it's like, Hey, double dumbass on you. And you know, all this kind of stuff where it's like, yeah, maybe the first time people were like cheering and laughing and everything, but I can't imagine you're going to watch it like 20 years later and go, Oh, that's hilarious. Next time you're going to tell me, you know, they like, don't have money in the future. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Is it time yeah, for a yeah. colorful metaphor? <laughs> I do. I do have to disagree on one thing as far as like the jokes holding up. I, I still to this day, if I watch Star Trek Four, I do get a chuckle out of them actually acknowledging how horrible Chekhov's accent is. I need the owl of me rocket base or whatever. Yeah. Nuclear vessels. <laughs> Nuclear vessels. <laughs> I always thought it was funny, like they're interrogating him on the you know, the Enterprise naval ship and the commander is like, you know, is he a retard or something? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, yeah, Ford does, like, kind of date itself. I, I... <laughs> computer! Hello, computer! What, you actually have to type on this thing? <laughs> if it weren't for Ford, you had never heard the phrase spoken by Scotty ever in Star Trek, There be whales here! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, yeah, like I said, it's good to kind of get on a more positive note on Star Trek. Um, yeah, I, I also agree with Siskel and Ebert, though. I didn't like one. It was just boring. It wasn't that it was bad, but it was just, yeah. Three was, again, too long. Five with Cybok and everything. I mean, I kind of see that, but, eh, no, it is what it is. I mean, for me, I'd just say to Brian, like, I'd say one and five I would steer clear of, and then the rest of them I, I don't have as big yeah. a problem with. You know, as far as the original ones go. I mean, as far as the next generation ones go, I can see why everybody digs First Contact. And, I mean, if you put a gun to my head, I guess I'd have to say that's, like, my favorite of the next generation batch. But, like, there's a lot of stuff in there where, you know, if you, like, you know, I have to treat it like a DBZ movie, like, not <laughs> think about it too hard or otherwise my head will explode. But, like, you know, otherwise, like, you know, just, you know, abandoning all Star Trek continuity and lore, like, I can see why people like it and it's a cool you know, fun movie, you know, that goes back to the basics, you know, as far as the other ones go, eh, you know, they're kind of, you know, I guess it's, it's commonplace just to say, you know, oh, they're, you know, two hour episodes, you know, type thing where it's like, they're not as, you know, it, it seemed like they, they, they seem to be forced to, to flesh out, you know, data and Picard's characters for, you know, Brent Spiner and Patrick Stewart. And then everybody else kind of just, you know, was off hanging out with Barkley in the holodeck or some <laughs> shit, you know, like they weren't really doing too much or whatever. Like to me, I always joke at even in first contact, I'm like, shit, man, Barkley did more than Jordy did in this movie. You know, like I'm like, Barkley was more important. Well, know? the original it, title, yeah. the original title of Star Trek Nemesis was actually Star Trek, the next generation. Picard loves dune buggies. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we've learned one thing from the next generation movies, it's 
Never let Deanna Troy drive the ship. She's going <laughs> to <Yeah>. crash. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's another reason I didn't like the Enterprise being taken out that much. Crazy Beta Z drivers. <laughs> Stay on your side of the space. <laughs> I'd just like to think what, like, when uh, Shinzon recovers from, you know, her crashing the Enterprise E into the, the Scimitar or whatever his ship was, he just kind of, like, picks himself up and he's like, uh, double dumbass on her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I desperately want somebody to dub that in now. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, actually, since we've been talking about the original series versus, you know, the next generation, how we grew up on certain things and, you know, like like the Wrath of Khan thing versus First Contact, similar in a way. A lot of people didn't like Generations a whole lot, but they liked First Contact. A lot of people didn't like the motion picture, but they liked Wrath of Khan. There's been a lot of parallels between the next generation and the original series. Probably the biggest one, though, that echoes throughout the fandom of Star Trek is Kirk versus Picard. Two captains of the Enterprise who just have very different ideologies as far as being captains. As fan holes, we gotta we gotta dive into it. It's a Star Trek podcast. I mean, come on. We have to do this. So I just have to go let loose on probably one of the bigger Star Trek fans here. Let's go with you, Justin. Well, what's your take on Kirk versus Picard? Well, I guess I feel kind of old in the sense that I can remember watching Star Trek before Next Generation was around. Like, I, my my first episode I, could, I ever remember watching was the one where Captain Kirk fights the Gorn. And I can remember just, like, you know, being sat down in front of the TV because there was nobody there to watch me. And they were just like, you know, watch this and don't, you know, burn the house down. I was like, <laughs> okay. So I was like, oh, the guy with the pointy ears, he's pretty cool. And I was like, oh, the captain's going to fight this giant lizard guy? Well, i got to watch this. And then he makes a bazooka. Or a shotgun, pretty much. I was like, well, this is the best TV show that's ever been made. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love how, like, that the, the landmark in that episode, you know, they always shoot there and everything. So it's like it's in it's in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey and Buffy and, like, all these, like, you know, TV shows and movies for, like, years and years and years. But I'm always like, that is Cessius 3. <laughs> and then, uh... <laughs> Like, later on, I can remember, like, when Next Generation was starting up, my dad was like, oh, there's this new Star Trek. Let's watch this. I was like, oh, okay. And then it starts, and I immediately got bored. I was like, well, where's Kirk and Spock? You know, he's like, oh, this is like 100 years later. I was like, well, the robot guy's kind of cool, but I don't really care for this. And I didn't really get back into Next Generation until the episode q the one where the Borg first show up. And, like, I was, like, so into that, you know, like, at the very end, the Borg is chasing the Enterprise down, and there's no way they can possibly be escape. I was like, oh, how are they going to get out of this one? There's no way they can defeat the Borg, you know, and finally Q just shows up and, you know, snaps his fingers, and they all go back, and everything's okay. But I guess that's kind of why, like, I'll always go with Kirk over Picard, just because I have, like, you know, better memories of him, you know, actually being a hero, I guess. You know, not that Picard's unheroic or anything, but just I identify more with, like, Kirk's attitude. You know, like, if there's a problem, Kirk's going to be like, okay, well, if I can't cheat my way out of it, then I'm going to blow you up. And then <laughs> Picard would just come in and he would just kind of, like, you know, he would offer you tea and then pretty much talk you to <laughs> death. And then tell the other person is just like, all right, we agree, whatever you want, just stop talking and go away. By the way, in case you don't know, Justin is transmitting live from Cestus 3. You can hear the space crickets in the background. 
I was going to say, I think I literally hear crickets. Like, no offense. <laughs> I was, like, pushing my headphones up as tight as I could against my ear trying to figure out if I was really hearing it or not. <laughs> he, he's making a makeshift cannon right now to fight a Gorn. <laughs> no, no, those are space crickets. <laughs> hey, we got some space crickets. The trouble with space crickets. Those are the, those are Zindi uh, insectoid soldiers behind me. Oh, God. Now, that is an obscure reference for some people. I got it, though, sadly. <laughs> oh, man. Don't worry, Archer. Archer will take care of your test <laughs> problem. Oh, man. What, what about you, Derek? Do you have a, a favorite in the Kirk versus Picard war that seems to be eternal? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Kirk guy. I mean, I for me, it's kind of like if you asked me about, like, Luke Skywalker or uh, Annie McWhiney bitch. I mean, not, not that not that Picard is anywhere near as, you know, like, like that doesn't even compare. But, you know, to me, it's just a given that I'm going to go with Kirk. Like, Kirk and, and Luke Skywalker were always kind of like my, you know, big heroes as, as far as, like, sci-fi franchises and stuff like that. Like I said, you know, I, I, I grew up watching the original series, kind of like what Justin was talking about you know my first big movie was star trek 2 i watched all the movies in the theaters after that you know you know two through you know nemesis in the theaters so you know to me you know it was always about kirk i mean as far as what you know maybe elaborating on justin talking about his experiences first watching the next generation i think i have a similar pattern with all new star trek series where i watch the pilot and go oh my god what is this <laughs> and like freak out like a you know a little troubled nerd who just you know learned that dc is going to restart all their titles with the number one or whatever you know like i flip out and 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 like basically you know my reaction to the next generation was oh star trek 4 had just come out in the theaters and there was this new star trek show and i'm like oh okay like there's a new star trek show oh okay they're they're set in the future oh okay that's why kirk's not there okay so i could follow that much you know i think i was probably 10 i don't know i don't know how old i was i was probably like nine or ten or something so i pretty much followed that and i was kind of like okay that makes sense and then i was like oh, okay so there's this weird old bald man <laughs> as a captain. Okay. all right well that's kind of weird you know and and then i kind of looked at the number one you know and i'm like oh well he kind of looks like kirk well maybe he'll be cool you know and so i always kind of gravitated towards Riker because i was like oh yeah maybe 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 you know he'll help this old bald guy you know through this <laughs> space track or whatever you know and then I was kind of like looking around and I go, what the fuck is a Klingon doing on this ship? Well, those are the, you know, it's like, what? It's like bringing Magneto into the X-Men's home. Oh, wait. You know, like, I, I just like, you know, I freaked out about that. And I was like, how could they have a Klingon on the bridge of the Enterprise? Like, that's insane, you know? And I just kind of was like all taken aback by that. And so that that was kind of like my basic sort of introduction to the next generation. And, and so my pattern with new shows is I kind of see the pilot kind of like freak out about it you know the same thing with deep space nine i'm like wait it's not picard it's not all these guys i you know got used to it's like all these other guys and they're on a space station and what you know and so i kind of you know basically you know kind of do that routine and then maybe you know a season or two you know down the line you know i'll watch it here and there but don't really follow it and then somewhere usually around the fourth season something cool will happen so it's like i remember you know, Picard got his little jacket tunic and was on the planet. And they did, you know, 
the, you know, Darmok and Gelada at Panagra, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, that was sweet, dude. You know, so then after that, it was like, oh, you, you know, you went back and watched any of the episodes you missed and stuff that you thought was cool and things like that. With Deep Space Nine, it was when they brought Worf on the show and they started the whole Dominion War. And I'm like, oh, that was that was flipping cool. And like, you know, so from then on, you know, it was like I was like, this is Deep Space Nine is like the best show ever. You know, I love Garrick and all those guys. And then, you know, as far as uh, Voyager goes, it was kind of like you're watching Voyager kind of going, oh, OK, so they didn't get home. And, oh, there's a Native American guy like maybe he'll be cool. And, oh, OK, uh, kind of like Tom Paris. And, oh, this doctor's sort of OK or whatever. And then I was like, but, you know, I, I don't know. I can't get into it too much. They got a, a, another chick Klingon and, you know, they got the, the, the captain there and she doesn't seem to know what she's doing. And, you know, I was like, just kind of like, OK. And then they got this other weird alien guy, you know, and they got they got Tuvok. And, you know, I was like, whoa, I was just kind of overloaded with all this like crazy stuff. You know, and then basically, like, somewhere around, what was it, like, season four, season five, I was like, hey, seven and nine, <laughs> hello, baby. Fun will now commence. You know, and then I just kind of started watching the show again and, you know, did the same kind of routine where I sort of caught up on everything and, you know, became kind of, you know, inundated and, and, and you know, just kind of watched all the different series. But that's basically my kind of track record with the shows and, and kind of why I would always kind of go with Kirk first. Cause to me, like the original guys are Star Trek. So, I mean, it's, it's always going to be like a Kirk, Kirk first. That must have really pissed me. you off when you're like, all right, I'm watching enterprise. Not that great. I mean, you know, Archer is kind of cool. They got some Vulcans and I don't really know a lot about the rest of the crew. This could be okay. All right. Season four time to jump in. Oh, it's canceled. Never mind. Yeah. That's basically like what happened to me. Cause I was like, I was like, dude, the mirror verse episode was rad. And I'm like, this show is getting good. And then I'm like, Oh, Oh, they canceled it. <laughs> like, okay. Like that, that, that's basically like, what happened. Thanks, to help stem the tide, because I'm not sure how Brian or Mike will vote on this, just to help out my side of the argument, I got to go with Picard. I, I know. <laughs> There's a man out there. You like, you like the motion picture, Justin. <laughs> hey, it's, it's better than Captain playing his flute all the time. <laughs> Hey, don't don't mock the food episode. I'll, I'll even I'll even go to bat for the food. They they paid they paid lots of money at that stupid ass auction for that flute, dude. They paid like hundreds you wouldn't of you wouldn't be making fun that. of the flute if it summoned the dragon zord, Justin. <laughs> but, but that's also a dagger. <laughs> sure, Picard could have stabbed somebody with it. <laughs> he should have stabbed Wesley. <laughs> well, well, no, I do have good reasons. Well personal reason i don't know if they actually would qualify as fact but i always liked picard again i never got into the original series that much and like i said it seemed cheesy was kirk more proactive yeah was he more of an ass kicker totally he was a guy who would do the patented kirk drop kick and stuff in the kirk role but at the same time picard he was kind of like james bond to me he was like very smooth you know one of my favorite episodes, and yeah, you can totally make fun of me because it's showing his diplomatic side. He's talking to, and I am going to go very nerdy, so just deal with it. They're dealing with this Sheliak who want to destroy this small colony because they own the rights to it and stuff. 
Data's down there being Data, like, you know, I'm a robot. And they're like, oh, you're a robot? You can't help us. And you're like, but I'm a robot. And they're up in the Enterprise, and they're trying to be diplomatic, you know. Carl's very big on diplomacy. He wants to keep the thing very civil. The Sheliak, however, are complete assholes for by the book. They know all the rules of the Federation. They have a treaty, all this crap. Every time Picard does anything, they're like, you do not hold to the treaty. You are lesser beings. And, blah, blah, blah. and like, it's funny because the Shelly look pretty much like guys in Snuggies with rocks on them. <laughs> <laughs> they did. <laughs> pretty much. And th- throughout the whole thing, Picard keeps getting pretty much ass raped by this treaty. You know, every time he comes up with something, the Shelly are like, nope, er, try again. We know this subsection and stuff. So finally Picard, he's talking to the Shelyak again, and he comes out with this whole thing like, well, we're going to use the Grizzellas to negotiate our treaty. As per the treaty or, uh, treaty standards, we have the right to any council we choose. And the Shelyak are like, but the Grizzellas have a hibernation period of nine months, and they're in the middle of it. And he's like, that's right. And he cuts off the communication, and they're like, sure, the Shelyak are trying to hail us. And Picard's just like, Looking around, he wipes the dust off the plaque of the Enterprise. <laughs> like, sir, they're trying to hail us. And he's like, oh, oh okay, very well, put them on. And the Shelliac come back, and they're like, we agree to let them have a few more weeks to, you know, get off the planet. He's like, you know, viewer off. And, like, Riker's like, you enjoyed that, didn't you? He's like, damn right I did. <laughs> and it was just, I don't know. For me, having, like, brains is just as cool as having brawn. And I actually got more annoyed when they made Picard more of an action hero later. Like, that was, like, probably the only thing I didn't like about First Contact is when he loses nuts and on the holodeck with the Tommy gun. He's like, <laughs> It just was, like, very much not a Picard moment. I don't know. I, I like the fact that he was a smart, think-his-way-out-of-shit kind of guy. I don't know. But I will say this. I take nothing away from Kirk because unlike Picard, you can like Picard, think he's cool, but Kirk is an American icon. I will give the guy that. Well, I, the only thing I was going to take issue with was I was kind of like, well, it's not like Kirk is brainless. I mean, obviously, a lot of the stuff he comes he up with to, to get out of jams is, <laughs> is is clever. You know what I mean? It's not like he's a he's a, he's a moron. It's not it's not like he runs around like you know doing three stooges and poking uh, aliens in the eyes all the time. You know, like <laughs> it's like, but but I see what you're saying. Like that's a great example of of uh excellent moment you know for picard where you know he he, he has the sheliac by the balls and and just like anybody else would he's gonna you know just take a few moments to enjoy him oh yeah kirk's you know? not i mean not kirk is a dumbass or anything he's he's a very capable guy it's just he always seemed to have more i guess you would say street smart way of getting out of it he he just knew his enemies and he was very much a think on his feet kind of guy he had intelligence he yeah you know but yeah picard yeah, was more yeah. of a cerebral like you know I will use mind bullets on you and shit. You know? He was he was a cerebral. I like to screw uh, Famka Jensen because you know, she was in hibernation or whatever. I was like, yeah, Picard, yeah. I'm for you, oh. <laughs> uh, Brian, you actually kind of jumped in when I said I had some card love. So are you are you on the same boat as me? Yes, I'm on that boat. If okay. I had seen the original series, like when I was a kid. I might have some love for it, but I didn't really see full episodes or anything until the internet was developed. And by that time, I already had an adult mind with well-refined abilities of mocking and sarcasm. So <laughs> the, the original show didn't really stand much of a chance against that. 
It's like, yeah, Kirk, uh, Kirk was very much like a action kind of hero. You know, he was very out there and proactive. Where where Picard was more like a mature captain. He you could tell he'd been in the service for a while because he was bald and he was old. I mean, he was. I mean, he was not a spring chicken, but that kind of made him seem like he had some you know adventures under his belt where kirk was more proactive he did you know he did seem younger because he was younger than picard in that series and yeah i mean yeah I, I, that's another reason why i like picard he was very statesmanlike, to use a <laughs> random adjective what about you mike what do you think who's who's better uh, the key rock or the i don't know what that, did picard have any stupid nicknames i can't even think of any charlie <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> oh man. Oh, it's funny. Well, yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning more towards Picard, like you and Brian, just because I've I've seen Next Generation was my Star Trek pretty much, and ironically, yes, watching watching that show, I'm like I'm like, oh, he's kind of like Professor Xavier almost, except he <laughs> like he he walks around and does stuff. Okay, and that's kind of cool, yeah, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> But yeah, and it's like when I first watched Generations, I'm like, who is this fat asshole and why is he talking to, why is he, why is he talking this shit to Captain Picard? What, who is this old fat asshole? Oh, oh, he, a, a bridge fell on him. He's gone now. Okay, whatever. He's, he's actually, he's, he's a Priceline salesman and he wants to give you the best deal. Um, you know, your hotel and your plane and I gotta log out. In 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 all in all honesty, the first time I saw Generations, I, I thought like the the opening with like Kirk and like, you know, Scotty and what do you call uh Chekhov like uh coming on like that ship and all that, I thought that was like a like just set up for the rest of the movie. I had no idea it had any significance in terms of these were guys from like the first series. Like, I was just like, oh, maybe this is going to play into the rest of the movie. Like, I knew there was an original Star Trek movie, uh, show, but I didn't know anything about it at that point. So it was like, oh, you know, who the, who, who the hell is James T. Kirk, you know? So, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just like, who is this fat fuck? And why is he talking to Captain Picard like this, you know? Well, I think, I think we can all agree that whether you side with Kirk or Picard, that Captain Ferris Bueller's best friend... <laughs> Is the worst <laughs> yes, captain yes. in his that, that actually that opening scene always pissed me off because I I like I said Kirk is a cool guy I'm not slamming him at all it's the writing that they did for the character it was so sad that he comes on the ship and the entire scene is just how inept the captain is of this new ship it's like do you got torpedoes oh no unlike Voyager that can make them out of thin air we're not getting them until Tuesday and shit you know it's like <laughs> and you like could. Kirk. could you could tell how how disappointed and astonished Kirk was at, at this this guy's ineptitude by like his overdone facial expressions and stuff. He's like, "What? Oh, yeah. you yes. mean you mean his his, his mugging? His, 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 his as as Brian might put it, his like speed racer, like oh." <laughs> <laughs> and everybody keeps egging Kirk on. They're like, you know, if you were a captain, you would have fixed this three hours ago. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Like everyone else on the bridge is like, you know, talking amongst themselves. Like, oh, oh Kirk's going, oh, you know. <laughs> I like, I like that scene where it is kind of funny where he, he fake gets up out of the chair like five times, and McCoy's like, hey, do you do you want to fucking do something? Like, 
you know, like <laughs> something wrong with the chair. Like, what's you going on? You know. Oh gosh, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah, Captain. That's what I'm going to start calling him now, Captain Ferris Bueller's best friend. Captain, is there something wrong with your chair? Worst captain ever uh, to go all comic booky on it. To to take a very civil ending to this though. Doesn't matter if you like Kirk or Picard, they're both really cool in their own ways. So trust us, we're not going to get into a punching match after this podcast is over. Well, maybe Justin. I don't know. No. If if I do if I do punch you, you might end up with a heart over <laughs> one of your eyes, though. That does happen. <laughs> then, then I'll explode for no reason. <laughs> Just like popular Avenger Jack of Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case anybody from Star Trek has never Star Trek listener has never read a Marvel comic before, and has has never read the awesome Star Trek X Men crossover where Gladiator punches the fucking Enterprise's shields, which is like the greatest thing I've ever read in my entire life. I'm pretty fond of Spock nerve pinching Wolverine and knocking yeah. him out. Yeah, that, that's also that's like the awesome Captain as well. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'm married. Kirk's like, oh. You know, in the future, I play your teacher. Your future Kirk was all like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's trying to get out of his chair. Spaceballs. Spa. Hurt. <laughs> God. Oh, man. Oh, good times, good times. <sighs> gotta, gotta shake off the funnies. Oh, man. Okay, well... We've talked a lot about pretty much the, the history of Star Trek. We've gone through Next Generation, the original series. One thing we really haven't touched upon, there's a rhyme and reason to our madness. We've mentioned it once or twice during the podcast. But as many of you listeners are obviously well aware of, it's not been released that long ago. They did do Shh, it's a secret. J.J. <laughs> <It's a secret. laughs> uh, Abrams, who is notoriously famous for such things as Lost and a whole plethora of other shows and movies that I don't even want to go to. This year alone, he did Super 8. He was part of the Trek reboot. At some point, Paramount started listening to fans after Enterprise's not-so-spectacular run as far as ratings go. A lot of the Trek fans were getting kind of grumpy, saying maybe the ship has run its course. However, while Paramount did listen, they also realized Trek is like a multi-million dollar franchise, and to get rid of it totally would be stupid. With that in mind, they let it sit for a while, and they got J.J. Abrams to kind of take helm of a new Trek franchise starter, a reboot, if you will. So with that, they released the movie. Did phenomenally well at the box office. There's already a sequel well in the works. A lot of people seemed to really enjoy it. There were some dissension among the ranks, though. Some people were not as pleased. You at least want to know my name before you completely reject me? There was a lot of interesting things they brought up. Basically, we're going to talk about whether we liked it or not, whether it was a good idea to reboot or if they should have just, you know, plugged Kirk into another fat suit and see what he could do. <laughs> Let's, uh, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm going to go ahead and start with, I think everybody has seen it, right? Yep. Yep. I know you two have. I, I know Justin and Derek have. What about you, Brian? Let's, let's start off with you. Are, are you pro or con the Trek reboot? I love con! it. Con! Like <laughs> <laughs> are you pro or con? <laughs> nice. I'm mad at myself for missing that one. <laughs> yeah, I really, really liked it. Unfortunately, I didn't see it in the theater. I waited till it was on Blu-ray. And then I think Walmart had some special where, like, 
the DVD version was 20 bucks and the Blu-ray was 20 bucks. So I'm like, duh, you know, I got the Blu-ray version. But yeah, I, I'm absolutely a fan of it. I would have picked it for my favorite Star Trek movie out of all of them if I, you know, hadn't, if we weren't discussing it in a separate topic. So I really, really do. Now, now I see like a Walmart ad with Spock holding like the Blu-ray and the DVD. And then he's like, duh, <laughs> it's only logical. It sells itself. <laughs> what about you? Well, since you, since you were talking about Spock uh, shilling for Star Trek, what did you think about it? Pretty good flick or not so much? I, I liked it a lot. I, I think it had a good team dynamic. I, I really liked the use of all the characters. I mean, I've, I've probably mentioned this before in my history of comics on film videos, but I think, you know, as opposed to like other shows, maybe like <clears throat> Justice League or whatever, but like, say, you know, Wolverine and the X-Men, <clears throat> you know, things like that, you know, as opposed to those, it's like, you know, yeah, Kirk and Spock are the main focus of the movie, but I love that everybody had their essential part to play and that nobody, you know, they were all essential members of the crew, you know, Chekhov had his moment, you know, McCoy had his moment, Uhura had her moment, even Captain Pike had a moment, you know, where it's like, yeah, he, he might have been choted and, you know, tied up for, you know, most of the movie. But, you know, eventually he had his moment where he's like, hey, I got to blast one of the Romulans, you know. So I'm like, I just always appreciated, like, you know, it seemed like as opposed to maybe a movie like, you know, Catwoman or Transformers or whatever they had written before, which, you know, I, I think when people hear that, you're like, oh, my God, this Trek movie must be terrible if the guys who wrote you know, Transformers and, you know, or Bayformers and, and Catwoman are working on this. But, you know, the they seem to obviously have a lot of reverence and, and, you know, care for the, you know, original Trek franchise. And I mean, as far as, you know, reboots, I mean, you know, or, or to me, it wasn't so much a reboot as it was just continuing the you know, the series, it's not like, you know, to me, the fact that, you know, Leonard Nimoy was in it to carry on the torch made it something different. It's not just like, uh, you know, I, I guess to me, it'd be like if Robert England was like shaking Jackie Earl Haley's hand and it was actually a good movie <laughs> in the Freddy movie or something, you know, like that kind of thing where it's like, hey, here, I'm I'm handing off the baton and this kind of kicks ass or whatever. But most most reboots, you know, when you traditionally think of it, it's like they basically abandon everything that came before and start fresh. And in some ways, you know, they, they do have a lot of the awe and wonder and excitement of the the reboot kind of aspect to it you know the whole Vulcan explodes and that's the oh shit moment where everybody kind of you know goes hey anything could happen in this movie you know they're not they're not beholden to anything that came before but but at the same time it's not like it was you know anything you know that that had previously happened it's not like they're gonna shit all over it either it's just a different you know a different timeline coming out where it's like oh it's a totally new origin of the origin you've already seen yeah right well, without I gotta type in too Jism. and say that Sulu's sword fight in the reboot is like a thousand times better than the sword fight in four. <laughs> but he wasn't shirtless. Come on now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, yeah, the reboot thing. It, yeah, it's actually not completely correct. Nimoy was in it. I mean, it wasn't just. I guess the best way to say it, it wasn't a cold reboot. He didn't just start off fresh like. Oh, Kirk, you've never heard of him before. It's like, because really, that's one thing we never got in the original series. We never really got an origin. When the show started, they'd already been on the ship for like a year or so or something like that. So it was not really so much a reboot as, I guess, a, a retelling. Would that be better? It's like an in-fiction reboot. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's it, you know, it, it it does have aspects and elements of a reboot to it, but but it doesn't, you know, it, you know, it's like Crisis or anything else. I mean, it was kind of like I remember the big joke was like, you know, Star Trek fans are you know crying like oysters, you know, just like the you know Death Star thing or whatever, you know. But then meanwhile, the joke was like, you know, yeah, well, fans of DC Comics or Marvel Comics, you know, totally, you know, know about reboots from like. You know, twenty. It's like we we've been crying about this for the last twenty years. Yeah. So like, welcome, well, you know, welcome to I, our world. When I when I went okay, to see so this movie with like my big my friend who was a like enormous Trekkie, like he was complaining about it. And I was like, dude, dude, Transformers gets a new continuity c- continuity every year. So shut the hell up. <laughs> Like, deal with it. Well, that's the thing, though. Like, like you know, not only does Transformers get a new continuity, but it's not like they have the grace to, you know, it's not like, you know, there's there's characters from the previous shows, you know, handing, you know, it's not like the Headmasters transition to Master Force to Victory where they had a couple characters pass off the baton, you know, every other show. You know, it's like basically when they reboot things these days, like it's just hard and fast and, you know, fuck everything else that came before it. But, you know, you never got that idea with this Star Trek movie. So I was never I was never in the camp where it was like, boo, you know, like like I was worried when I started, you know, hearing about the new movie and was like, oh, I hope this isn't just a remake or whatever, you know, because I, I don't know if I'm going to want to watch it. And when, when it ended up, I guess, you know, the IDW like prequel comic, like basically alleviated like all my fears. Because it was kind of like I was reading it, and it was like all about Spock and and Data and and Picard, and they were you know basically setting up like what had happened before, you know, with Nero. What's, Nero? what's the guy's name, the Romulan dude? Yeah, with Nero, you know, and they they set up all that you know backstory and kind of you know explained how it tied into the Next Generation universe and stuff, and I was like, oh, that's sweet, you know, like to me, I'm like, oh, so they're not they're not pissing away, you know, you know four different TV series and one animated series and, you know, all the movies that had come before it. It's just a continuation where, you know, he mucks up the timeline. And I was like, oh, cool. All right. I can deal with that, you know. And, you know, since it's permanent, like, okay, fine. So it's permanent, you know. Like, I I don't know. I'm not going to whine too much about something that I think is It was, it was good, a very you know? smart I mean, move. They were know? pretty much, like, having their cake and eating it, too, because they were like, hey, here's more adventures with Kirk and Spock. But we don't have to haul out, like, 80-year-old actors to do rolls and flying drop kicks when they can't do it, you know. Right. So it was it was a smart move. I liked it. So I, you, you said you were pretty much a fan, too, right, Mike? Yeah, I liked it a, a great deal. I enjoyed it. I, the one thing, the one criticism I might have is I thought the villain, like Nero, I thought he was kind of generic. Like, like he had, like, lofty goals, like, you know, kill Spock and whatever, change history and whatever. But, you know, he was a disgruntled miner. I mean, it just seemed like, a, I don't know, a kind of generic villain, like, as far as, like, I guess, bearing goes. I don't know. It wasn't like a deposed, like, you know, like a deposed tyrant like Khan or like something like that. You know, it was just like some dude who was like, oh, my planet blew up because you didn't, you know, you you stubbed my toe. (laughs) Like as Derek, (laughs) you stubbed my toe because my planet blew up because something you didn't do or whatever. Now I'm going to hate you forever. And, you know, and don't tell me it didn't happen. I saw it happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Venom should have been saying when he saw Spider-Man swinging outside the window when his wife died. In that Don't one try to tell me it didn't happen. I saw that. 
Banna gave a really weird performance of that. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he was he was kind of hammy in places, yeah, a little overdone. But that that would probably be my only like major criticism about the movie. I it, it was a it was a crowd pleaser, I I'd say. You know, like I went to see it with my the first day with my friend Nathan who was a massive massive Trekkie. And he was, you know, as soon as the movie ended, he was like, oh, you know, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 blah. so, I mean, I can see why some, like, Trekkies would be mad at it, but, you know, I, I didn't think it was too, you know, it, it entertained me, so, you know, I was happy. I always said my favorite line from Nero's stunning characterization was when they first run into Pike on the Enterprise, they're like, you know, hailing, da, 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 da. he's like, you know, I'm Captain Christopher Pike of the Enterprise, to whom am I speaking? And instead of being like, you know... Like, ah, oh, Captain Pike, I will destroy... He's like, hello, Christopher, I'm Nero. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, how you doing? We're going to have a potluck dinner. Would you like to bring a dish? <laughs> you know? <laughs> We're going to invite you over, do some torture, you know, nothing major. <laughs> Just oh, get to man. know each other. <laughs> I want to know what makes you tick. But, yeah, but no, I mean, besides that, I, I agree there was, like, a couple of, yeah, moments, but... Me, myself, I'm definitely in the yay camp. It's a good flick, again. It was the same thing I said about Wrath of Khan. Even if you don't like Star Trek, even if you're not a huge fanboy, if you're not aware of what a friggin' was a Heisenberg compensator is or a Jeffries tube or whatever, you can still watch this movie and be like, hey, good, fun, old-fashioned space opera. You know, lots of action, great characters. It's a good movie. I don't really see why some of the hardcore fans got a little no butthurt that some of the things didn't completely add up, but who cares? I mean, if you have fun at it, you know, that's my biggest problem with like Transformers. I don't hate the movies because, oh no, they don't look like what I want them to look like, or oh no, lots of explosions and Shia LaBeouf's a fucking pansy. It's just that they're not good movies. I don't like them. The, the storytelling is crappy. Star Trek had a good story. It was yeah, a little disjointed, but it flowed well. Everything made sense to me. When I watch it, I don't get hung up on little things too much. I can sit through the movie and not get all bitchy fanboy. So to me, it was a big success in that respect. I mean, what, what do you think, Justin? Well, when I heard it was going to be a reboot, I immediately, like, I didn't go into, like, fan freakout mode, but I got, like, really anxious. I was like, oh, what are they going to do now? They're going to completely, you know, reboot like it's, you know, a casino royale or something but i was nervous like the whole time like i would i tried not to read up on it on the internet but i just couldn't help myself i went and watched it at midnight showing and i went with two friends like they weren't really star trek fans but they just kind of like you know tagged along anyway so i sat there and watched it and you know eventually you know after the movie was over we all walked out and you know my friends were just like you know that was pretty good they were you know they were like yeah i would watch that again that was good and then you kind of looked at me and they're just like oh well what did you think? I was like, you know, I liked it. It completely changed a lot of things, but, uh, you know, I liked it. It didn't – I don't see it as like it completely erases, you know, the other timeline. It's just like an offshoot or something. That's the way I see it. Like I can see why, you know, fans would freak out and everything, but uh, – it didn't really freak me out at all. That's a, the main the main thing my friend was was like expositing on was like why would he was like why would Spock like shoot Kirk off the ship like what why why would the the Federation doesn't do that like he was like why 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 didn't we wouldn't he just throw him in the bridge or in the in the brig or whatever and 
And I was like, because then he wouldn't go to the ice planet and he wouldn't meet Spock. (laughs) (laughs) And my friend was like, yeah, but it makes no sense. I mean, and I was like, okay, yeah, maybe that seemed a little weird, but. Listen, you pointy-eared bastard, you don't throw out your prize thoroughbred when you're trying to win a race. <laughs> there was some, like, deleted scenes or, you know, dial- dialogue that was deleted where they said that, you know, all those coincidences, like, you know, Kirk just happens to go to the planet where the old Spock is, and they just happen to meet, you know, Scotty. Like, the, some, the writers tried to explain that as the timeline was, like, actively trying to repair itself. Like, that's a bit of a stretch, but it's to me it's kind of a believable stretch. Like, I didn't yeah. get all... You know, to use Derek's phrase, like, I didn't get all hurt over the movie, and I was afraid I really was. I was like, oh, this is going to ruin Star Trek, and I'm going to, you know, cry tears of frustration forever. Yeah, I was definitely afraid of that until, like I said, I read those IDW prequel comics, and that kind of... It's funny, because that seems to, you know, I I know it's strange, but that always seems to give me an inkling of what I'm in for. Because I remember I I started reading those Dynamite Green Hornet movie prequel comics, and when I read those, I was just kind of like, oh no, like, this is (laughs) is probably going to be horrible. You know, and it kind of, it's sort of, it's like a little crystal ball where you're just kind of like, you know, you kind of know what's coming, you know. And so I, I think with those IDW ones, I was like, hey, you know what, this... This is not going to be as, you know, I, I go, this is not going to be, you know, tears of frustration, you know, horrible. It's like, this might Derek, actually Derek, be something were, promising. The, was that the know, comic? So. I remember, like, flipping through some Star Trek comics, like, around that time that movie came out. And was that the comic where they just kind of, like, Data, they were, like, uh, they kind of hand-swept away Data's death, like, at the end? It's, it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, the first, it was, like, the first, like, three panels was, like, yeah. That was fun when I jumped across the bridge and then you picked up all my parts and like I was cool again. Like it was just basically like yeah. it was like fuck you, I Nemesis. That. Yeah, that yeah. I thought that was pretty B4. awesome. Oh man. Uh, well, listeners, you are hearing something that may never happen again. Hopefully, it does. But all five of your fan holes regulars totally suggest you watch Star Trek: The New Movie if you have not yet. As far as I can tell, we all liked it. Good, good flick. So, I mean, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, get it on Blu-ray for 20 bucks. There should be a cardboard Spock standing in front of it, <laughs> saying it's only logical. Yeah, I think that was, I think that was oh, a okay. limited time offer. So, I don't know, I don't know if you can still get it for 20 bucks. Well, buy the regular DVD, maybe. return it, and then put a Blu-ray in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it doesn't matter how much it is. Totally pick it up. If nothing else, you'll see a good movie. So, hey, nothing wrong with that. Sadly, I will have to say that brings our Star Trek discussion to a close. Before I do, though, is there anything anybody wants to say about Star Trek before we engage to our final topic of the week? Kirk sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am Kirk! Oh, man. Yeah. I, I had a question for everybody that's related to the reboot. Like, I've been reading up a lot of stuff on the, the next movie, the sequel to the reboot or whatever, and a lot of people, like, they want to see, you know, the reboot cast take on Khan. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Would you like to see that, or would you like to see something different? I'd like to see something I'm kind new. I'm kind of torn because I don't know how they would do Khan. I don't know if he would, if they would go with the same – I mean, obviously it's going to be a different portrayal. First of all, if Ricardo Montalban was still alive, he'd be way too old to play him. And second of all, he's dead. He's dead, Jim. But I kind of want to see Khan, but also – to kind of pipe in with what Mike said earlier, it would be kind of cool to have a brand new Trek villain villain in this continu- uh, continuity. 
who is a badass, who who's the new con, who's like the new guy who Kirk's like, oh shit, you could probably really fuck me up. So I I kind of I kind of go with Derek and say new, and I go with Mike and say he should totally be like a badass. He should be like the Magneto of this continuity. He should not have his toe stubbed. <laughs> should not be angry because he has tattoos. Hello, Christopher. <laughs> oh, what about you, Brian? What do you think? I should probably watch like Wrath of Khan before I comment, but I don't know if it's an established like character that I didn't know about. I think new would be better. There's actually like a game coming out based on these like the new movie, so I wonder if it's almost like a bridge between the first movie and the upcoming one. So that'd be kind of interesting to play it and know more about. Yeah. What type? Uh, of I've only seen pictures of it, but it, it reminds me a lot of like almost like Mass Effect, where it's like sort of an RPG like shooter. Because I, it's it's I think it's based on a lot of cooperative play between Kirk and Spock, and like I'm like I'm like sorry when you when you said that I was like <laughs> Elite Force like special is that like some crappy Star Trek game yeah. or something? Yeah, it's it's the Vo- it's the Voyager game where basically it's a it's a first or I guess I'm messing it all up, but it's a what a third person you know shooter where you run around as like you know ensign you know rickety monk who is part of like the the elite. The elite outfit of, of, you know, the elite force of Voyager, you know, so you like basically run around and like shoot, you know, it's doom, but you're running around yeah. you know, shooting Borg and shit. Well, but yeah, it's a like I said, there's game. not a whole lot of information I've read about it, but from what I've seen, it looks a lot like Mass Effect and Mass Effect's a great game. So I kind of have high hopes for it. Uh, I am horrible with games, so feel free to mock me. I want to say E3, I could be totally off, but. They did mention that... Three, that's a peanut convention. <laughs> <laughs> a two-year-old could tell me that. But uh, no, the, the only thing I remember definitely is they were being very vague, obviously, because it's not even halfway done. But they were saying how it bridges the two movies, but at the same time, they're actively working. So you don't have to buy the game to know what's going on in the second movie. It's not going to be like... Right. Yeah. That could be like War for Cybertron and Prime, where like, oh, they totally connect, and then you're like, no, they don't. <laughs> I know IDW is doing some comics where it's a new series that's like, you know, the rebooted take on certain classic episodes. I don't know how well that's going to go over, but I'm interested to see, you know, how that goes. But like, you know, personally, oh, okay. I I don't want them to, you know, bring in the new con or whatever. I think they should just, you know. You know, they they spent a whole movie establishing this new universe and all these, you know, Kirk's a little bit different in this universe. So I think after you've established this new universe, you should go on and have new adventures, you know, just leave Khan alone and, you know, do your own thing. They should totally, like, fuck with the fanboys and, like, just the first five minutes of the new movie be like, sir, there's a ship on the sensors. Let's get a close-up on it on the main viewer. And it's like the Botany Bay, and they're like, Hmm, let's beam on over and see what's going on. They beam over there and they're like, This cryogenic tube says Khan Singh. And they wipe off the canister. Skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it would be funny if, like, you know, the opening credit sequence is like you're going through some kind of like weird blue little cloud thing, you know, and you see it's V'ger. And then, like, Spock's at his, <laughs> Spock is at his station. He's like, Captain, there's some kind of weird cloud formation. It's interfering with our sensors. And Kirk's like, uh, change our course, course. And they just, like, you know, zoom around it and completely avoid it. <laughs> Two hours later, sir, something destroyed the Earth. Oh, shit. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should have checked out that cloud robot thing. 
Fire torpedo! <laughs> well, damn, that picture looks pretty hardcore. Hey, that was me. Whoever sent yeah. that link. picture. Yeah. You know, the thing with Kirk and Spock, like, back-to-back in the flames. Yeah, that's like, what I was saying. Phasers um, and shit. I think it's cooperative, and, like, Spock's supposed to be, like, you know, the pacifist still, and Kirk's, like, all gung-ho, punching people out, so... Seems like an interesting dynamic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That does look pretty cool. I mean, and I see what you mean about the Mass Effect thing. Like, I, I think sort of the detail and the 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 shuttle yep. and the the character. Yeah, just the fact that's like, like a first person shooter. Like, I'm not sure if you'll have all the like branching dialogue trees and all that crap. It's probably more like dictated to you story wise. But I know there's some RPG elements where you can upgrade with weapons, and abilities, and stuff like that. So. Yeah, they're like, you kids like your lens flare? You're going to get some lens flare. <laughs> but, no, it does look pretty cool. I kind of, I actually, like I said, when I saw the trailer, I was kind of interested in it. Goody! A challenge! This is going to be fun. Well, I hope everybody's enjoyed the Star Trek portion of our show, which was pretty much the whole show. However, if you are a regulars fan, whole uh, listener, you know that we like to talk about something awesome every week. Something that we just like. It's really cool. Kind of digging it. I'm just going to start off with Brian. He seemed like he was a little bit excited for his something awesome this week. So what do you got, Brian? I was excited to talk this week because in the mail, I got Maximum Carnage for Super Nintendo. And I know nice. a couple other fan holes are fans of the game. So I've been playing that this week. I think I need to look up some cheats. Like, it seems like the game would be pretty easy. Like, if you can control your web powers. <laughs> but it more seems like Spider-Man has a mind of his own. And I'll be like, oh, dude, I'm going to web that guy over here. And Spider-Man's like, no, maybe we should use our web shield. And it's like, oh, okay. And so I get pummeled on. But uh, other than that, it's a pretty enjoyable game and a nice little trip back to the past. I'm actually a big retro gamer. I'm actually pretty fond of old games. What are you going to say, Mike? I was going to say, yeah, stock up on lives. Find a code that gives you <laughs> lives. Yeah, I definitely need to look up some cheats. You will die often. Like, the first I could get was to, like, the cathedral with Cloak and Dagger, and then, like, Shriek and Doppelganger, like, it, I don't know. Like, Cloak and Dagger are supposed to be taking me someplace safe because I'm in, like, a coma, and you wake up and, like, Shriek and Doppelganger are there just, like, pummeling you, and I'm like, help! But, you know, there's no one there, and that's where I always die. <laughs> you just, like, turn it, turn it, you turn to Dagger, it's like, where thanks. did you take me? Someplace cold. <laughs> You're like, Thanks, Cloak. All you Thanks, had to do Dagger. Was, was transport me safely somewhere I could sleep, and you couldn't even. <laughs> <do that. laughs> this this is why we don't give you your own series for very long. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not very well known. Cloak's an asshole. <laughs> Reminds me of those old like those old what does where they're like milk and cookies, and it was like he's got like a big cookie, and she's like chewing out milk out of her hand. Sadly, I remember that. That was pretty fucking hilarious. I remember a what the and like Daredevil's the cook in the kitchen. And some guy's like calling down to complain about his order. He's like, "I ordered roast beef. What are you deaf?" And he's like, "No, I'm blind, wise guy." And he's like flipping a chicken in a frying pan like a whole chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, damn you guys! Now I really want what the to come back. I love that comic. Oh man, what what about you, Justin? What's some, something kind of cool over there in your portion of the United States? It's really hard coming up with new things to say. Well, in a, a previous show, I mentioned the third season of The Twilight Zone. I've been watching the fourth season of The Twilight Zone this week, and fourth season is kind of the odd duck. Like out of all the five seasons, this is the one, the only season that the episodes were an hour long. 
and I've only seen like maybe three or four of the hour-long episodes. So I've been having a lot of fun watching, you know, some Twilight Zone episodes I've never seen before. Yeah, when I when I first got the definitive DVD sets, a lot of those were first-time watches for me. And then I, I remember there's one with, it's supposed to be, I, I forget what the episode's called, but I remember it was like a big deal that I wanted to watch it, because it's like, I think, like Adolf <laughs> oh, uh, Hitler's he's, he's in the alive. episode or whatever, like, yeah. or it's like... And living in the White House. Yeah, yeah, and like, I, I remember reading about that online and i was like oh yeah i want to i want to watch that one i bet that one will be creepy and good and whatever you know stuff like that so i remember being excited about getting the the fourth definitive twilight zone on dvd myself um yeah twilight zone i it's one of those shows that you just get wrapped into it's like if you watch one episode you're like ooh, i wish the sci-fi marathon was on right now (laughs) but (laughs) that's always a classic i guess i'll go ahead and say mine real quick it actually has something to do we're going to talk about in a different show but still kind of still relevant as far as I found out about it recently and I'm really excited about it. Walking Dead 2 season 2 is coming very soon. There is a trailer for it. I yeah, I've already expounded how much I love this show, so no need to really go that much into it. I'm just really eager and looking forward to more zombies and random scary ass shit. <laughs> There's a game coming out about that too, actually Walking oh, Dead. Cool. cool. Sadly, I, I think it's by Interesting. Telltale and just like the company name and I, I think they're the Uh-oh. ones that did, like, the uh, Back to the Future kind of point-and-click adventure that came out recently. And that wasn't real good, so. Okay. Yeah, I just, for Walking Dead fans, I just thought I'd mention, since it seemed like not too many people know of this yet, I already have the the Blu-ray of the first season on DVD, just because, you know, I'm collecting things for my History of Comics on Film blog and stuff to review. But it looks like right before the new Season 2 comes out, they're going to release a special edition of Season 1. I have no idea what's in that, but if you if you haven't bought it yet, maybe you might want to hold off for the special edition for whatever's, you know, extras are included in that. I, I won't be double dipping, but I figure I could give put the word out and maybe, you know, some people that were thinking about it, maybe they'll just, you know, buy the new set when it comes out in October cool, when season up, two rolls around. That's definitely something you might want to watch out for consumers. Sound um, financial advice. Exactly. <laughs> what about you, Derek, since you're letting us know about that? What's cool over there or where you're at? I just thought I'd go with Legends of the Dark King. I just finished watching that. I got that on Blu-ray a while ago, but it takes me a while to watch through things sometimes, you know, because I'm either making notes on stuff or, you know, I just, you know, it's hard to find free time to, you know, it's it's easy for me to catch up on comics sometimes because I'm a pretty quick reader, but I can't really cheat with the, the videos, you know, I have to sit down and devote some time to it. So over like the last two weeks or so, uh, it's a 13 episode anime. If people don't know what it is, it's actually a side story about Rao. Uh, it's based on the Fist oh, cool. of the North Star anime. And yeah, so Rao's like, you know, uh, how should I put this? Rao is like the Majin Buu of Fist of the North Star. He's the last biggest, baddest villain there is. And so this is his, you know, side story. Basically, some of it is semi-prequel where they kind of show you, you know, his life growing up when he was training with Kenshiro and and sort of who his friends are you know they kind of have adapted and taken portions of some of the newer Fist of the North Star movies that haven't been released in the U.S. on DVD yet but he's got his own group of friends you know that's that's part of his uh, I guess royal entourage I guess you'd call them or whatever but one of the things I wanted to mention and I don't know why but I find this really cool is one of his one of his 
basically, you know, generals in his army is a guy named Ryuga. And Ryuga basically is a guy, you know, just like all these guys, they have these kind of extreme, hilarious martial arts where, you know, you know, like the, the Fist of the North Star, you know, basically they press all these acupressure <laughs> points and people's heads explode and blood flies all over the fucking place and everything. I remember when I, when I first watched the original Fist of the North Star, I went, wow, this is kind of violent. And eventually I sort of got into it when I kind of realized Kenshiro is basically Superman. You know, it's like all this crazy stuff happens, but eventually it's kind of like you are already dead. And, you know, he's just a badass basically no matter what happens. This General Ryuga, his martial art is he can basically his, his you know, martial art fist is so cool that when he he basically slices into people he's so fast that he freezes them so basically like he'll like lop off half the side of a guy's face and then you'll see like basically you know like an ice cube indent on the big hole on the side of his jaw or whatever so it's kind of funny but my my favorite part of it was for some reason like it, it just always cracks me up like where it's he you know takes out like 20 million guys with this you know kung fu stuff and then all of them while they're dying are like it's so freezing <laughs> it's so freezing it's so freezing as they like slowly die and what what really cracked me up the most which i thought was the coolest thing ever is he, he finds this one guy and they go to this you know they're basically you know armies and they're taking over different little villages and enclaves and stuff like this and this one you know head of the you know opposing army comes out and basically, it's typical Fist of the North Star style where the guy is huge. He's like, you know, horrifically misproportioned. You know, not like Rob Liefeld where it's just the legs, but like, you know, the whole body is misproportioned. You know, it's like this guy looks like a friggin', you know, ogre compared to these other two martial artists. And he's like, ha ha ha, what are you guys, a bunch of pussies? Like, you, you give the uh, the Dark King sexual favors to become his generals? Ha 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 ha. You know, he's making fun of them. And basically, then he quickly does his martial art on the guy and he lops off the guy's head. But the head, the bottom of the head is frozen, and the whole time the head is flying in the air with speed lines, it's like, he's still saying, <laughs> so freezing, so cold, so freezing. I'm like, your fucking head isn't even on your body. But he's still, like, sitting there going, so freezing, so freezing, so freezing, ah. So, anyway, I thought that was pretty much, like, the coolest thing I've seen Who needs this lungs week, to vocalize? So, yeah. Legends of the Dark. Chopped off heads can be fun. Yeah, Legend is kind of one of the big ogre guy to come out now and say twigs. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically what he was. He was he was definitely not a twig. He was, he was ginormous. This weird ginormous looking planet. <laughs> oh man, Mike, what's the what's the coolest thing in your world right now? I saw Captain America. It was it was pretty awesome. Nice. I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I definitely say Marvel's three for three this year. And I hope uh, Ghost Rider 2 doesn't come out this year so they can have a perfect year. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't oh, think thanks. that's going to come out uh, until next uh, year, until February. Is it really <laughs> Ghost Rider 2? Like, so. Yeah. With Nick Cage attached? Yep. yep. Oh. The yep. trailer's just him, like, going, my head's still on fire. <laughs> I think I think Sam Elliott is just, you know, like wiping his brow in relief. Like, he's probably like, you know, good thing I used up all my powers. Yeah, <laughs> just riding them out there. <laughs> yep, I'm yeah, so, yeah, I got to say, like, 
at after the credits that they did the like Avengers teaser after the credits and like the audience went like totally berserk like seriously like I thought there was going to be like a mini riot in the movie theater it was like oh my god oh my god and I was like I, like and I'm sitting there and I'm like I'm all excited but I'm like you know you guys have the internet too did you not like hear this was going to happen or something you know but yeah people were like and when I was walking, when when the movie was like emptying out, I heard like one girl like in one of the front rows when she was like moving out of her seat, going, "Did anyone see how amazing that was?" <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask her out on the spot? No, I think she was a little young for me. But <laughs> um, hey, was 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 the trailer the one with Captain America? You know, punching the heavy bag or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, it that was, was the same one. When, when that when that movie was when when the trailers started up to that movie, there was there was like everyone was all like hyped up and stuff. Like when the the, the theater darkened, someone yelled, "Woo, Captain America!" and like everyone went, <laughs> "USA, USA!" <laughs> right? So then when like the when the trailers started playing, like like every time a trailer would come up, like they did uh, that new like horror movie about the moon landing or something like Apollo eighteen or something i don't know what it is but it, it looked like the blair witch project but on the moon with astronauts i don't know but if like when that trailer played and it said apollo 18 and the same guy went woo apollo 18 <laughs> <laughs> and then like like usa the, usa yeah. <laughs> And then, like, like they did that that uh, the Conan trailer, and like after that, the guy went, "Whoa, Conan the Barbarian!" Right, and everyone was cheering, right? And then it did. uh... (laughs) I'm surprised. I'm surprised he wasn't like, "Woo!" (laughs) Yeah, that's actually what I was thinking. I saw like a new uh, Flaming Sea trailer. Before we did the oh, show, yeah, yeah, I had that, that in my mind. I'm yeah. like, they're showing that at theaters? That would be, no. But when the, the trailer for The Adventures of Tintin comes on, you know, and, and like, that comes up in this silence, and then the guy goes, Woo! That! <laughs> <laughs> I love whatever that is. Uh, I, yeah, I would have so, been I would have been impressed if he would have been like, Woo, Belgium! Because <laughs> that's where Tintin's from. <laughs> It was like no one like, – everyone you, – you could hear like the silence in the audience where like everyone was like, the adventures of what? <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, come on. And, you know, but it, it, everyone was just like kind of like, what, what? Steven Spielberg's doing this? What is this? What? Huh? But, like, like, woo! You know what was strange was in, in my theater they actually played a trailer for Thundercats, you know, huh. the Cartoon Network. Thing. So it was kind of actually neat that's to see that on yeah. a big screen. Like, to, but anyway, know. that's my awesome yeah, thing so. for the week. Or, or well, this this show might air another week from now. But you know, Captain America is is cool. Woo! Awesome thing. Two thumbs up. Woo! <laughs> oh man, oh, that was. <laughs> I'm st- I've still got woo in my head. Woo! Oh, oh well, I gotta say, guys, the Star Trek podcast was indeed. <laughs> Living long and prosperous, and that's horrible. But uh, it was fun, if nothing else. It was indeed engaging. (laughs) (laughs) Better pun. However, that is pretty much going to wrap us up for this week. Uh, As always, we invite you to come and listen to the fan holes every week. We do have an email if you want to ask questions. So, hey, we're right there. Fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Anything else I can think of? Now off the top of my head, send us emails. 
listen to the uh, panel's podcast. We will be back. And just remember, if nothing else, from the depths of hell, I stab at thee. We'll see you later. And in the meantime, until then, my name is Chainclaw. Tony? This is Brian, not really Super Thunderwing, but Breakdown. Hey, what's up? This is Derek, Derek, WC, <laughs> jumping the gun. This is Mike, and don't tell me it didn't happen. I saw it happen. <laughs> <laughs> this is Grimlock, and I'm the one who stole Spock's brain. <laughs> oh, man. We'll see you guys later on the Fan Holes Podcast. Peace. And nice. <laughs> you guys can't you guys can't see, but I just got up and like started looking around like all anxiously slash horrified and then I went, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. You, you, yeah. kept, you kept getting out of your seat like, repeatedly. Spock. Nice is gonna jump in and take control. Take the chip out of this cloud. Um <laughs> or ribbon, sorry, ribbon. I don't want to confuse my clouds with ribbons. Um <laughs> <laughs>